0: Just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 84 of the SCO show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great people at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, happy to be here for today, Monday, March 9th, 2020. Today is Mock Draft Monday 6.0, our second Mock Draft Monday after the Combine. In the second half of the show, your mock. First half of the show, my latest Mock Draft simulated over at thedraftnetwork.com with trades this time, last week's. First post combine mock was without trades, just to get a sense of value. This one with trades, using TDN's predictive board. Also check out the great friends at thedraftnetwork.com. Get the subscription; it is worth it. It's a ton of fun. Plus, they do great work over there. I'm always a fan of supporting great work. Speaking of supporting great work, if you're listening to the show, either you hate listening to the show, which hey listens or listens, or you're supporting great work that I do. I appreciate that. If you want to support more of it, follow me on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Inside the Pylon, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie scout, Scouting Portfolio, USA Today, the touchdown wire vertical over there, Doug Farrar and I, we're going to have NFL free agency covered. Look for a piece later this week from me on free agency and the free agent every team needs to sign. It's going to be not guys that they need to bring back, but guys that they need to go get. Also, Three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, right here at Pat's Pulpit. Also, speaking of uh, Touchdown Wire and USA Today, I did a piece that came out Friday night. I didn't get you know, a lot of eyeballs on it because, look, it comes out Friday night. People are doing things over the weekend. But if you can check it out, it's a piece on Patrick Mahomes and the comments that he made over on HBO on the show about reading defenses. It got blown out of proportion, so I wanted to dive in into what he was talking about in terms of reading defenses pre-snap, very nerdy football stuff. So if you're listening to the show, chances are you might like that. Let's get into the mock. And since we're doing some trades here, we're making a trade out of the gate. And I keep believing that if the Patriots want to trade down, a willing trade partner with them might be the Indianapolis Colts. So in this mock draft, we make that trade again. We trade out of 23. We get their pick at 44 in the second round as well as their pick at 75 in the third round. So that will now give us a second round and at least on TDN right now, a couple of third round picks. TDN doesn't have the comp picks all the way loaded in yet. And so what's interesting in this simulation, it's already seemed to go off the wire because Chase Young went first and Tristan Wirfs went second. So Joe Burrow comes off the board at 5. So this simulation, it's already a little wonky. Tua comes off the board at 14. Kinlaw at 17. Delpit at 20. At 23, Jordan Love. So that's, that's a great move there by Indianapolis. They trade back into the first to get Jordan Love. Patriots finally on the clock here at 44 with their one and only second-round pick, and a number of different directions we could go. We could address linebacker, and I'm going to have to give this serious thought because both Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray are on the board. We could go wide receiver, Laviska Chenault, Denzel Mims, Jalen Regor, KJ Hamler. They're all on the board. Donovan People-Jones, Brandon Ayuk. There's talent there as well. Safety, another position we could look at. Kyle Duggar is there. Jeremy Chin is there. It's hard to pass on some of these players. But when you've got two stud linebackers staring at you in the face, I picked 44, guys that most people believe are coming off the board in the first round, I think we've got to go one of them. A lot of people might think Kenneth Murray might be the guy, very athletic. Interestingly enough, Benjamin Solak in his write-up of him Brought up a very interesting point. Oklahoma blitzed him a ton. So he wasn't asked to do a lot from a process and standpoint at the linebacker position. And you can wonder, were they trying to hide that a bit? Were they trying to hide that trait or lack thereof a bit? And then you've got Queen, who I think is a quintessential Belichick-type linebacker. The Patriots do have some issues at linebacker. He's a guy that can play all three downs, Can adjust to motion very well. Great explosiveness. Very bursty player in tight areas. He's maybe not the biggest guy, but really, if you're talking about processing between the two, Queen's the guy that checks that box between Queen and Murray. I think Belichick would like him for that reason, and so he will be the pick here for the New England Patriots at 44. Now we get a pick again at 75, and... Probably going to want to go wide receiver depending on how the board falls, but there could be some other talented players available for us, perhaps tight end, perhaps safety to think about. We don't see a lot of people going defense-defense with the Patriots with those first two picks, but that might be the move here. Especially as we get here, now on the clock at 75, and there's a player staring me in the face. Two, actually. We'll talk about some of these guys here. Cam Akers has had a very good you know, pre-draft process so far. But I think that a running back pick right here doesn't make a ton of sense. You could look at the tight end position. Bryson Hopkins, Hunter Bryant, Thaddeus Moss, Albert O. They're still on the board here. And it does thin out. So I'm going to give some serious thought to a Bryson Hopkins here. Let's look at wide receiver. Van Jefferson, K.J. Hill, Brian Edwards, Chase Claypool. I think we can hold our powder hair at the wide receiver spot. Offensive tackle, this one's scary because you've got Matthew Part, Ezra Cleveland, Ben Barch, Hakeem Ajendi, Sadiq Charles. That makes things a bit dicey. That makes things a bit dicey. Now we do have a pick coming up at eighty seven, you know, because we've got two third round picks here to play with. And so we could possibly afford to swing at a different position with somebody that might really be of interest and then address a position of need a little bit later. And that brings me to safety. Jeremy Chin's on the board. And I've started sort of fall for this kid throughout the draft process process. He might be my defensive draft crush. And so here at 69, I mean, excuse me, at 75, he's ranked 69th on TDN's predictive board. We're going to get him at 75 here in the third round. Jeremy Chin, the safety from Southern Illinois. And now let's see what this looks like now, because now we got to pick here at 87. And we can address a couple of different needs. We could go tight end with Bryson Hopkins. We could go tight end with Hunter Bryant. We could go wide receiver. We've got Brian Edwards, K.J. Hill, all on the board. We could go offensive line. Sadiq Charles is here staring me in the face, but I'm going to go with another guy we've talked about a lot, and that's Ben Barch, the D3 kid. I think he has the footwork, the toughness, the mental capability to play tackle in the National Football League. He could play on the right side. They kicked him inside as well. During Senior Bowl week, he handled that well. So he's going to be the pick here for the Patriots at 87. So that's our first three selections. Patrick Queen, Jeremy Chin, Ben Barch. Not a lot of people think they're going to go defense, defense out of the gate. But what we saw there by trading back, getting that pick at 44 and 75, those two picks from the Colts, we can get a first-round guy and a guy that many people expect is going to get into the second round in Jeremy Chin. Now we're on the clock at 1.15. And I think this is where we need to address wide receiver. K.J. Hill's on the board. Courtney Davis is on the board from Texas A&M. Chase Claypool from Notre Dame is on the board. You know, there's some talented wide receivers staring me in the face. Gabriel Davis, the UCF kid. Colin Johnson from Texas. Tyler Johnson from Minnesota. But I'm going to go with Brian Edwards here. Still available. I think it makes a lot of sense for the New England Patriots. I think it makes a great deal of sense for what they do offensively. I know he's got the foot injury that he's going to be coming back from. But I think when you look at what Brian Edwards brings to the table, it's got separation, right? He might be the type of receiver that the more we study guys transitioning from the NFL, I mean from the college game, excuse me, to the NFL, separation matters. I was having this discussion with some other people offline talking about putting wide receivers into buckets whether you have you know guys that separate guys that are burners and somebody described you know guys that win contested catches and I made the comment that bucket is really a nice way of saying guys that aren't good you know cuz the more we see wide receivers make the transition the guys that we think are your contested catch type guys it just means they can't get open and if you can't really get open in college you're going to struggle to get open in the National Football League. And so I think a guy that can separate like Brian Edwards does is a guy that you probably want on your NFL team. So now the Patriots, we are back on the clock here. This is pick 175 here in the sixth round. And number of different directions we can go. We've addressed wide receiver and offensive tackle, so now I think it's a matter of finding value here. Michael Divinity is still on the board, but his combine has really sort of scared me off from him. You look at some of the other positions they might want to address. Benito Jones, the interior defensive lineman from Ole Miss is on the board. James Lynch, another interior defensive lineman, also from Baylor, another Big 12 guy. I mean a Big 12 guy, excuse me. He's on the board. But I think in sort of addressing needs, what's interesting is Antoine Brooks Jr. is on the board here. And so it makes you wonder, is Chin that much of an upgrade over Brooks where if you look at the guys that were on the board and available to us at 75, when we turned in the card for Jeremy Chin, you had Justin Matabuke, Matthew Part, Troy Dye, Daryl Taylor, the edge from Tennessee, Ezra Cleveland, the offensive tackle, Jalen Hurts, Devon Hamilton, Ben Barts, who we picked, Willie Gay, Bryson Hopkins, Hunter Bryant. You know, we sort of wonder now, and this is the value of doing simulations, by trading out of the first round pick, getting those two picks at 44 and 75 and using one on Jeremy Chin, well, here we are in the sixth round, we probably still need to address tight end. But we could have done it at that pick at 75 and then come back here with another safety. And perhaps a safety that would be just as good, Antoine Brooks Jr. Because now you look at the tight end spot, it's really sort of thinned out. And so I don't think it makes sense to pick any of the tight ends here considering there's a guy I'll be able to make a pick on at least you know, when we pick again at 184. And so you look at Edge, that has also thinned out. This board seems to really get thin now in the sixth round. So I look at the quarterback position. And I think that at this point in the sixth round, to take a flyer on a quarterback that would fit makes a good deal of sense. Nate Stanley is staring me in the face. So we will turn in the card for the quarterback from Iowa. Nate Stanley comes off the board here to the Patriots at pick 175. Now we're on the clock again. At 184, I really think they, they need to get a tight end, obviously, at some point in this draft. And, again, the lesson of this simulation seems to be if you wait on tight end, it's really going to thin out. That Jeremy Chin pick at 75 is looking worse and worse by the minute. But I'm not going to wait any longer. I know this is earlier than he's coming off the board in most mocks, but Stephen Sullivan, the LSU kid, I still have an affinity for him. I think he's going to be a matchup nightmare in the National Football League. So there we go. Now we're into the seventh round. The Patriots have a couple selections here that we're going to be able to play with. First pick here is at 207. And this is a name that we haven't talked about a ton. But it's hard not to like this kid. When you see what he was asked to do this year at Kentucky, When you see the versatility that he brings, the fact that he played first wide receiver, then had to move to quarterback. I think his best role in the National Football League might be as a slot guy. Lynn Bowden, the wide receiver from Kentucky. You know, he's a guy that in high school, look, he played quarterback, defensive back, he was a punt returner and a kick returner. You know, at Kentucky, he was a guy that was a wide receiver. Then they. As a freshman, he caught 17 passes for 210 yards. Also went three for four passing for 92 yards. Was the primary returner for the Wildcats. This kid can play. He was willing to make the switch to play at quarterback because they needed him to do it. I like having people like that in the locker room. So, Lynn Bowden, the wide receiver from Kentucky, he's the pick at 207. You now on the clock here at 212, Time to go sort of value-hunted overall. And when you look at the cornerback position, there's a player that everybody seems to be falling for. And that's Reggie Robinson, the Tulsa cornerback. And so I'll follow the pack there. Reggie Robinson, the corner from Tulsa, the pick at 212. And now we can round it off. And... I think it makes some sense looking around to sort of add another talented player to the mix. I think you could sort of bank on talent here. Rico Dwaddle, the running back from South Carolina, the one and only Matt Walden thinks the world of him, and if he's good enough for Matt, he's good enough for me. So that's the pick at 218. Now remember, TDN doesn't have the comp picks loaded in yet. So... You know, bear that in mind. But here's the haul. Remember, we trade out of 23. We get 44 and 75 from the Colts. Patrick Queen at 44, the linebacker from LSU. Jeremy Chin, the safety from Southern Illinois at 75. Ben Barch at 87, offensive tackle from St. John. Brian Edwards, the South Carolina wide receiver at 115. Nate Stanley, the quarterback from Iowa at 175. Stephen Sullivan, the LSU tight end at 184. Lynn Bowden. Kentucky do-it-all player at 207. Reggie Robinson, the Tulsa corner, at 212. And Rico Duaddle, the running back from South Carolina, at 218. Now, what did we learn? And I seem to have spelled it out for you. I like the idea of trading out of 23 and getting 44 and 75, or if somehow they could swing it, you know, 34 and 75 from the Colts. Maybe have to send them back like a later-round pick uh, to do that. But looking at... Who is available at 75, particularly, the, you know, some of the tight ends, perhaps? Thaddeus Moss, Hunter Bryant, Bryson Hopkins, all tight ends that we've been talking about in the Slack channel. By taking Chin at 75, we miss out on a, at least in this simulation, a tight end run. Because Hopkins goes at 90, Bryant, Hunter Bryant at 91, Thaddeus Moss at 93. And then before we pick again, Albert O goes at 110. And then the Patriots on the clock at 115. So by making the decision to go tight, to go chin at 75, we miss out on that tight end glut, glut right there. So that's something to keep in mind. And remember, when we got on the clock in the sixth round, Antoine Brooks, the safety from Maryland, was available. So just something to keep in mind as we start getting closer and closer to the draft, the different scenarios the Patriots could possibly be facing Come draft time. But that's enough of my mocks, or mock at least. Let's hear from you. That's ahead. Here on episode 84, mock draft Monday 6.0 of the SCO Show. This is Advertiser Content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy. Here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting. Cut. What are you two doing? just go to fritolaysnacket.sbnation.com no purchase necessary sweepstakes ends 4/3/2023 void wherever there. here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons each good for one bag of chips see official rules at fritolaysnacket.sbnation.com mark Schofield back with you now on episode 84 of the sco show and haven't done my mark it's time for your marks as always got a ton of marks submitted this week mostly via the sco show Slack channel which again you can join at mark Schofield on Twitter or mark.scofield at insidethepylon.com to submit your mark or to get an invitation to the Scosho Slack channel. We'll kick things off with John Limarakis via the Scosho Slack channel. Made a ton of trades, and this one trades down at the start. It's a massive haul. It begins with Zach Bond, the outside linebacker from Wisconsin at 43. That's pick 11 in the second round. Justin Matabuke, the defensive lineman from Texas A&M at 72. Michael Pittman the wide receiver from USC at 75. At 87, Malik Harrison, the linebacker from Ohio State. At 97, Jeremy Chin, the safety from Southern Illinois. At 99, Harrison Bryant, the tight end from Florida Atlantic. And all those picks, except for Bond. So Matabuke, Pittman, Harrison, Chin, and Bryant are all third-round picks. That's an incredible haul right there just in the third round. But he Continues, you get Matt Hennessy at pick 111, which is in the fourth round. Ezra Cleveland at 128, the offensive tackle from Boisley. That's also in the fourth round. That's probably not plausible at this point. He's getting some first round buzz. So, as we start seeing more and more new and updated big boards, that might be a tougher pick to make. This is obviously something we'd love to see, but probably not plausible. Chase Claypool, the wide receiver from Notre Dame at 153. Just Aguara. The tight end from Cincinnati at 171. Those were both fifth-round picks. And then a bunch of picks in the sixth round. Isaiah Hodgins, the wide receiver from Oregon State at 195. Antoine Brooks Jr. at 204, the safety from Maryland. Joe Reed, Virginia wide receiver at 212. Asan Bassi, the corner from Wake Forest at 213. Those were all sixth-rounders. And then in the seventh, Logan Stenberg from Kentucky, James Robinson, the running back from Illinois State, Jacob Breeland, the tight end from Oregon, and Tyree Cleveland, the Florida wide receiver. Those are four seventh-round picks. Tremendous job there by John Lamarakis. Josh Boland with a bit of more conventional mock, also done via fan speak, as was John Lamaracus'. Trades down again, so the first pick is at 39. Xavier McKinney, a pick 39 overall. And what's interesting about McKinney, In doing my recent first-round mock for USA Today, Touchdown Wire, I think he's a first-round player, but it was hard to find a spot for him. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that McKinney falls out of the first round. And getting him at 39 would be great value. Denzel Mims at 42. Then in the third round, you got Malik Harrison at 75. Cole Komet, tight end from Notre Dame at 87. Jalen Hurts. First pick in the fourth round at 104. Anthony Jennings, the edge from Alabama at 122. Davon Hamilton, a pick 135, also a fourth rounder. As Josh Bowman gets into the fifth round here, you've got K.J. Hill, the wide receiver from Ohio State at 147. Two picks in the sixth round. First is Yashir Durant, the offensive tackle from Missouri at 195. And then at 204, Reggie Robinson, the corner from Tulsa. He's getting some sort of late draft Twitter buzz. I believe it was Ben Fennell who does some work for the Eagles and a bunch of other places. You can follow him on Twitter, at NFL. He's been doing some stuff on the Tulsa Corner, Robinson. I know a lot of people like him as well in the Slack channel. I believe Josh Bowman is one of his biggest fans. He's catching some buzz. And then two seventh-rounders, TJ McCoy, the Louisville Center, at 235. And Kaihava Tenzio, the linebacker from San Diego State, at 241. Ricky Keeler via the Scotia Slack channel. Another fan-speak mock draft. And again, Xavier McKinney, the first pick, but this time he stays packed, gets him at 23 overall. And then you get those three third-round picks. Thaddeus Moss at 87, Chase Claypool at 97, Kyle Duggar, small school safety at 99. Some, a fourth-round pick here, 122, Calvin Throckmorton, the Oregon offensive lineman, Robert Landers in the sixth round from Ohio State. He comes off the board at 195. Landers is the defensive lineman. At 204, also a six round pick, Kamal Martin, the linebacker from Minnesota. At 212, Trevor Wallace Sims, the offensive tackle from Missouri. At 213, Kendall Coleman, Syracuse Edge. That's a pick at the end of the sixth round. At 230, John Reed, the corner from Penn State. Also a guy that's getting some attention. People have started to look at his combine, go back to his film. Ricky Keeler gets him at 230 overall. Jake Lutton. The quarterback from Oregon State, he comes with the ward at 235 here. And then Ricky rounds it off with the Tulsa corner, Reggie Robinson, at 241. That's a seventh-round selection. Great job there from Ricky Keeler. Then we got Jim Reynolds. Trades down in the first round. Just a couple of spots, though. Just at 29, Justin Jefferson. And then at 61, Zach Bond. 87, Chase Claypool. 97, Adam Trotman. 99, Kyle Duggar. 122, Jason Strawbridge, defensive lineman from North Carolina, that's a pick in the fourth round, and then some sixth round picks, Anthony Gordon at 195, Darian Daniels at 204, Reggie Robinson at 212, Josh Deguara at 213, and then in the seventh round, we've got Tommy Kramer, the guard from Notre Dame at 230, Aaron Parker, the wide receiver from Notre, from Rhode Island, who's Getting some buzz now. Matt Miller had the tweet about him, but a lot of people have been looking at this kid. He comes off the board at 235. And then Javelin Guidry, the speedy Utah cornerback, blazing 40 at the combine. He comes off the board at 241. Patrick Brown chaps in with his mock draft that he dropped in the OCO Slack channel. Zach Bond, a very familiar name. Trade down opportunity here. Patrick trades down to 34, picks up Zach Bond. And then Kyle Duggar at 64. Donovan Peoples-Jones, the wide receiver from Michigan, who had a massive combine performance, comes off the board at 65. Denzel Mims at 97. Prince Tegan Wanahongo, the Auburn offensive tackle at 99. Thaddeus Moss at 100. Willie Gage, Jr., the Mississippi State linebacker, who's got some red flags in the off field, but an incredible combine. Comes off the board at 130. Trey Adams. 143, the offensive tackle from Washington, Stephen Sullivan. I'm not giving up on this kid. 165. Benito Jones, defensive lineman from Ole Miss at 212. Jake Lutton at 213. Alex Highsmith, the edge from Charlotte at 230. Another guy that had a very good combine, good East-West Shrine week as well. Calvert Hill, the Michigan corner at 235. Levante Bellamy, the running back from Western Michigan at, at 241. And Michael Pinkney, linebacker from Miami, to round things out. From Patrick Brown's mock draft at 250. Then we got some stuff submitted via email this week. First up is more of an idea from Russell Easterbrooks via email. Floating the idea. Now, if you don't like it, then you can crush me for it. If you do like it, this was all Russell's. Okay, how about that? Floating the idea of trading Stephon Gilmore either to Detroit was 130 floated traded him to Detroit for maybe the 3rd overall pick. And then what you could do potentially is Russell floats out the idea of trading back with the Chargers for pick 6 and 37 or for Carolina for pick 7 and 38. As he puts it, you would get two great players and still have pick 23. Plus, by trading Gilmore for draft capital, the Patriots will save between 16 and 18 million cap space which you could then use to sign Devin McCourty. And Joe Tooney. I think this is a solid approach. It wouldn't stummy if Belichick's at least kicked the tires on this one. We've seen them do this before, move on from players usually when they're testing free agency, but Patriots somewhat deep at corner, and you could still get an impact corner if you're moving around the board like that. Joe Tooney might be a priority that they have that they want to bring back into the fold. So again, this was Russell Easterbrooks. If you love the idea, it was his. If you hate it, Crush me on Twitter. How about that? But, Russell, thanks for chiming in. Also via email, Christopher Conley has a mock draft. At 23 overall, Austin Jackson, the left tackle from USC, who is also getting some first-round buzz. And as Christopher points out, you move Wynn to left guard. Austin Jackson comes your left tackle. And then at in the third round, at 324, Sadiq Charles, the right tackle from LSU, who can be your swing tackle, as he points out, until Cannon retires. And then you get Jalen Hurts at pick 33 in the third round, uh, Jonah Jackson at pick 35 in the third round, interior offensive lineman from Ohio State, who can be some Andrews insurance on the interior. And then the 19th pick in the fourth round, Antoine Brooks Jr., the safety from Maryland, and then the sixth, in the sixth round, you've got the 16th pick, A.J. Dillon, the running back from B.C., Raquan Williams, the defensive tackle from MSU, Miles Dorn, the UNC safety, and Alex Highsmith, again, that Charlotte Edge, at pick 34 in the sixth round. And then rounded out in the seventh round, Stephen Sullivan again, uh, Tenzio, the linebacker from SDSU, at the, at the 21st pick in the seventh round, and Michael Pickney, the Miami linebacker, at the 27th pick in the seventh round. That's a very interesting mix of players. You know, going offensive lineman isn't something that people have done often in these mocks. I love Christopher's approach here. Austin Jackson and Sadiq Charles out of the gate with your first two picks. Offensive lineman is, I don't know if it's a quiet need, but it's a need. And I like Christopher's approach here to address it with guys that can be tackles, guys like a guy that in Charles that can be a swing tackle. And I know we've talked about the idea of moving when, don't do it unless you have to. This might be a scenario where you would do it. So I sort of like that approach as well. George McCollum. He chimes in with a mock draft via fanspeak. And he also raises the idea that Russell Easterbrooks raised in his email. If you could trade Gilmore for two first-rounders, would you make that trade? So now we've got two people floored on this idea. If you love it, give them the props. Dap them up. If you don't, again, crush me. But here's his mock via fanspeak. A 23 overall. Uter Gross-Matos, the edge from Penn State. Lakey Fotu at 87, the big man from Utah, the defensive lineman. Devin DuVernay at 97, Texas wide receiver. Matt Hennessy, the Temple Center at 99. Ben Barch, Mr. Mr. Weight Gain Shake at 122. First time we've heard his name today. Evan Weaver, the California linebacker at 195. Daniel Batuli, Tennessee linebacker at 204. Steven Sullivan, 212. Joshua Kelly, first time we've heard his name today and 213 from UCLA, the running back. Rodrigo Blankenship, kicker from Georgia at 230. Cole McDonald, 235, the Hawaii wide receiver. And John Hightower, 241 to round this one out, the Boise State wide receiver. Tremendous job from everybody. I like seeing some new approaches. And this idea of trading Gilmore. Fascinating that two different people have approached this idea. And seeing that, I poked around the internet a little bit And I did come up with an article by a Justin Osher from Fansided's Fansided's Detroit Lions website from about a week ago. You could follow Justin on Twitter at J-O-C-H-S-N-E-R, the number four. The Detroit Lions are no stranger to bringing in former New England Patriots players or even making trades with the organization. Now, this scenario has been mentioned before But what if the Lions make a blockbuster trade with New England while keeping Matthew Stafford? And that trade would be Stephon Gilmore for the third overall pick. What if the Lions were able to get the Patriots' 23rd pick and Gilmore? See, that's a different scenario. I think what these guys are sort of floating is the Patriots keep the pick at 23, get number three in return. If you're Detroit, would you draft, say, a Jeffrey Akuda at three or trade for Gilmore? Obviously, Gilmore is going to be paid more. Okuda is going to be cost controlled. But you know what you're getting in Stephon Gilmore? You know, it's like that Family Guy episode, right? A boat's a boat, but a box could be anything. It could be a boat. It's an interesting thing to think about. And since two different people have chimed in, we got this fan-sided article floating the ideas, well, maybe it's not the craziest scheme ever. Crazy scheme, crazy scheme. You've now had a Family Guy reference and a Simpsons reference just in the past minute and a half, kids. That's what we do here. We do some different things. We weave in the pop culture. We drop the references. Sometimes I even forget I do it. But just something to think about. Trading Stephon Gilmore. Again, if you don't like the idea, then crush me. If you do like the idea, George and Russell are your boys. Either way, that's it for today. I will be back later this week with episode 85 of the SCO show. We'll do some more draft stuff. You know, you know the time of year. You know what we're going to be doing. We might be doing some free agency stuff as well. I'm going to be dropping a huge article on free agency in the next couple of days at Touchdown Wire. I'll probably touch that. Ooh, putt intended. I'll probably touch that on that as well. Regardless, wash your hands, kids. And please, when you do. Sin along and bless those Patriots' reign. Don and Fox.